Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. Last week we heard, man, just such a reminder, even as I look around us, as I see the world pushing, I mean, rebelling against God and his word and his way and pushing against those who embrace it. I just saw last week that we talked about more and more and more is that we live in a world and a context that is really characterized by hatred against God, his Christ, and those who represent him. He made it clear. Couldn't have been any more clear than he made it. That is the context in which you and I, those who want to walk in God uh, through Christ, that's the environment that we are called to live in. He's not made it easy, but he's made it possible. And so he says to us, you know, don't worry about that. He says, I'm, 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 I'm preparing you so that when it happens, you don't walk away. I love that, you know. And so he says, look, that's like somebody warning you of something. I'm sending you somewhere. When you get there, they got some folks that are going to be looking at you cross-eyed. Don't worry about them. Just keep going and do what you do. And then when you get there, folks start looking at you cross-eyed. Now, you know, well, okay, well, this is what he just said. I'm ready for this. And so what God is preparing us for is to live in a context that opposes him. So then why do we get upset when we get opposed? God, man, I, I don't have as many friends as I thought when I came to you. I, I, I don't, you know, I, people aren't running up to be my friend all the time. Now, we also said last week that don't let it be because of things that are outside of Christ that people dislike you. Don't let it be things that do not pertain to Christ that people hate you for. Because you can't claim Christ then. That's all you. And so this week he continues and he picks up. In, in, in essence, how are they going to be able to deal in this and with this world um, um, of whom the context is rebellion against God, pushback against him, and actually hatred of even me? As a matter of fact, he said, some of that hatred will result in some of you losing your life. And, 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 and I'm sure it, it just kind of shocked them. It went over their head. They didn't fully grasp it. But the other part that was really troubling them is that he kept telling them that he was leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And they're like, and, and, and he says, and you can't come with me. And, and, and like, wait, we've, we've done this thing for over three years. Where are you going? In essence, though, why are you going is what they were asking. And we get that because in the beginning of our text before chapter, I mean, sorry, before verse 7, he helps them out. He says, verse 5, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Well, if you've paid attention in reading through the Gospels, he was actually asked that. He was asked, where are you going? But they weren't, when you look at the context, 
When you look at the meaning, when you look at what's going on, they were not asking him destination. They were asking him why. Why are you leaving? You've ever been involved with someone around and all of a sudden they get a call and they got to go. Where are you going? You don't care where they end up. You're really asking, why are you leaving right now? And that's exactly what Peter and others were doing. But Jesus was telling them, I'm leaving, and let me tell you my destination. I'm going to my father. I'm going back to where I came from, and it's better for you. But they couldn't see that. How is it better for How is you not being here better? How is you not being present better? How is us not having you to talk to and to deal with this crowd? So here you drop on us that the world is going to hate us because of you, and then you leave? Wait. That's, that's the wrong that's the wrong conversation. You tell me that they're going to hate you, and I'm staying to help you while they hate you. No, I'm leaving, but he says, but I have a better situation for you. And that jumps into today's focus and message is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I will say. This is not the exhaustive what the Spirit of God will do. All of the reasons why he came in in this exhaustive teaching on the intent and the work of the Holy Spirit. Why do I know that? Before we even pray and jump into verse 12, and this says of chapter 16, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You can't handle it, but I'm going to give you what's needed. I'm going to give you the introduction. Now, he's already introduced in chapter 14. He's already introduced the spirit, the helper, the counselor. And we would hear him described in other ways. But here he gives them to introduction that is needed and that is critical before he dies and is resurrected so that they would know this is foundational. And for you and me, this is foundational because there's so much confusion and there's so much misteaching out there about the work of the Spirit. If you listen to many people today talk about it, you would think that, as I said last week, that the Holy Spirit is nothing more than the force in Star Wars. He's the super juice from Captain America in you that makes you strong. He's the one that gives you warm feelings when you come into Sunday service. Or he's the one that gifts me so that I look amazing when I'm serving God. But I love how Jesus settles the conversation. And let me introduce to you what is to happen through the work of the Holy Spirit. And as a matter of fact, he is equal to me. As a matter of fact, you'll even see. He is equal to the Father. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And I just pray, oh God, that you would cause us to get the understanding that you desire, you intended, 
in the work of the Holy Spirit so that we would not only understand and know, but experience, live, and be transformed by it. We ask you this in Christ's name. Amen. And so there'll be three things today that John focuses on that I want us to focus on again. We know this is not everything because we know later that we would get teaching on the fruit of the Spirit. We would get teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. We would get teaching on greater work of the Spirit. And why? We would get those throughout. But initially, three things here from this text, John chapter 16, 7 through 15, we will see that the Holy Spirit works on earth to one, convict the world, two, to guide the believer, and three, to glorify Christ. Is to convict the world, guide the believer, and to glorify Christ. And so that is the foundational critical knowledge that God wants, that God wanted his disciples to live in and under and out of, and for us as well. Everything else is added on that, and for them it was added on as they were able to handle it. They were already a wreck because he said, look, he says, um, Verse 6, because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. He already knew that they were grieving at what he said. Here's how I love, I love Jesus understands giving it to us in process. He's not the royal dump truck. Let me just give it all to him right now. And if he was, or, or as we like to say, I was just telling them the truth. Yes, but it was truth that should have been kept for another time. See, Jesus understood the human condition. He understood his disciples. He understood the people around him, and he knew what they could take. Now, we not being Jesus, but being people that follow him and are being a recipients of the work of the Holy Spirit, we can understand and we will, when we're being prompted to be quiet and to proclaim loudly, to share truth and to hold truth for another time. Just because you didn't share all the truth at that time that you had with someone doesn't mean that you failed them. So I love that Jesus says, you can't handle all of it. I'm going to give you what you need, give you what you can handle. And we know later on in Acts, when the spirit of the Lord came, you know, in, uh, upon and in them, now you see different people. You see people now that are able to handle a lot more. Now you see, especially through the book of Acts, you see the fact that they can handle a whole lot more and God has given them a whole lot more. You get Peter later on in a dream who gets to kill and eat and he was like, no, hold on a second, Lord. I, 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 this ain't right. But he could handle it then. He could handle what the Lord said. They could handle being flogged and beaten. 
They can handle being told by the leadership of their culture not to preach. And here's a taste of what happens if you do. They can handle it now. But at this time, they couldn't. And I love that Jesus' both sensitive understanding and knows his plan works out progressively. So let's jump in. He says, verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And when you hear that, it's not that the other stuff that Jesus tells you isn't the truth. What he is telling you is to listen even more intently. This is a statement and a fact worth remembering well. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, some versions say the counselor, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, if you were to look at some versions, that word concerning is not there. Understand that the Bible was not written. We know that in English originally. And in that Greek, that, 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 that concerning, many times people, it's, it's, it's been debated. What really is being said is, and when we say concerning, not that he's just going to talk on the topic. No, they're saying about your sin or about the world's sin, he's going to convict them of it. About the world's righteousness, the world's righteousness, yeah. About the world's righteousness, he's going to convict them of it. About the judgment of the world, he's going to convict them of it. And the word convict there is he is going to, as an attorney, what he is going to demonstrate and expose the truth of it, the reality of it, and the surety of it. And so he says, the first thing that they want him to know is the only way that the world will know that it is sinful, that it is opposing God, is by the work of the Spirit. It's not because of a nice message. It's not because of your great argument. It's not because of anything. Whenever a heart is turned to the Lord from sin, know that it is because the Spirit of God is at work in them. Y'all are all witnesses of it. How many times have you heard the message of the Word of God, of the gospel given, and you brushed it off? But one day, You felt this heaviness. Man, I felt guilty. I tell people from the time I was five to around 13, I heard some of everything. Was in all the Christmas plays and Easter plays because when my mother came to Christ, we all started going to church. I was five when my mother came to Christ. And we started, and I, look, I, I would get involved in some of everything. I knew the books of the Bible before I knew Jesus. We would do the scripture and the turn to where something was. I could open it up and flip to it. I could tell you things about the Bible and about God and about Jesus, but didn't know him. But I don't know when it was. I know it was in the summertime, and you've heard me say this. I'm sitting there in church. Beside my mother, I can't even tell you the message that that brother was preaching. 
You know, and I would say, man, I, I, as a pastor, I go, I couldn't even remember the message. It didn't matter because the message wasn't what was saving me. The message what, it isn't what was, 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 yes, God used the message, but who was changing my heart? How do you get a person that is dead sent against God, dead in their sins, rebelling against the Lord, doesn't want anything to do with him? How does that person all of a sudden go, I have a need for Jesus? Really? Because you just decided. I was talking to someone just recently, and I said, okay, help me out. A person who has died, do they make any plans after that time? Do they make arrangements? Do they tell you what you want? Do they, yeah, it, 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 there, is, there is no planning. There is no communicating. There is nothing because death means dead. And we know there is no response from them no matter what we do. I know some of you, and I've heard this said you have before, I know some of you thought that the alarm on your phone or whatever you set, whether it's the hard buzz or the salt in the morning, you thought that woke you up, put it in a morgue and see who it wakes up. <laughs> it's not waking up anyone. But here's what happens. He says he convicts the spirit of God is at work and at work on you and it is telling you, you are sinful and you need Jesus and touches your heart and you go, oh my gosh. And I sat there in that Sunday service and heard the message and I'm telling you, the only thing I sensed was my guilt. I did and I was like, oh, and I just remember thinking, God, I, I I need you, you know, and I was in the church where they called you up front and I was like, I was kind, y'all ain't getting me up front. <laughs> and God's like, that's okay. Coming up front doesn't save you either. And so I sat there right beside my mother. I did. And I heard enough prayers that I knew how to pray. But up until that point, I didn't want to pray. And I did. And it changed my life. And I remember just everything opening up. I remember wanting to read the word because they told me in church that you should read the word. And I would read and I'd fall asleep. Or I'd read it and I didn't understand. I'd read and I'd be like, okay, man, I'm like this doesn't make any sense. But all, all of a sudden, it started making sense. So I got really smart overnight. Not. What ended up happening? The Spirit of God at work. See, Here's what we do many times when it comes to the Spirit of God. Man, we, if, 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 if he had human feelings, he would feel bad because we make him forget second class. He's third class. He only shows up, I invite you in, Holy Spirit. He was like, I'm here. <laughs> you, you How do you think you even want to learn of me? How do you think that sinner on the other side of the room is sitting there in tears understanding their guilt? Now, this doesn't mean I don't prepare my messages. I do, and I work on them, but I realize the best message in the world won't move your heart. I can make you laugh, cry, scream. I might even get some of y'all to dance, but it's not going to change one bit of your life if the Spirit of God is not at work at all. 
So he says the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world, really, of its sin and to show you that you are. And so when a person says it and you think it is the most, like, how do they sense God, you know, working on their sin out of this? Don't worry about it. You're not the Holy Spirit. But then it says it convicts the world of his righteousness. So when we see here, it says it convicts the world of his sin because the world rejected me. What it shows you and I is that we have rebelled against and are rejecting Jesus. And there's where our sin lies. It's not because you didn't wear the right clothes or the right this. It's because you rejected Christ. And so what it's saying is when we're in this state of rejecting Jesus, it is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that now turns our hearts to see who he is and that we are rebelling against him. And then number two, it says it convicts the world of, of its righteousness. It was like, well, the world doesn't have any righteousness. Oh, but it thinks it does. As a matter of fact, the group of Pharisees, they surely thought they were righteous. So righteous, they felt cool. I can never understand this. They felt okay plotting Jesus' death because they thought that they were so righteous. When you are so self-righteous that you think your sin you're known, everybody understands. And look, they didn't plot this thing out in public. They were in their back rooms planning. So they knew there was a level of secrecy that had to happen to this, but that they plotted his death. They thought they were more righteous. As a matter of fact, Jesus was the sinner to them. And what the Spirit of God does is that he shows us that all of what we think makes us righteous is self-righteous. If it doesn't look and concern with Jesus being the one who will rescue us from our sins, and I think it's because of what I did, who I know, how many times I've shown up here, he says the Spirit of God convicts you. All that is is your little self-righteousness, and it can't cut it. That's what the Spirit of God does. And so when you get exposed self-righteously, know that the spirit is at work when he opens that door and says now you know you over here trying to plaster that believer to the wall knowing your own sin you over here trying to highlight all the wrong that's going on and hiding what's going on in your life the spirit of god at work trying to help you to see that he is convicting you of your righteousness because he doesn't want you to embrace your righteousness. He wants you to embrace his righteousness through Christ. He says something like this in verse 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Here's what they're thinking. They are thinking, hey, because we will, and we have killed him, because we've gotten rid of him, they don't know that that's his plan, that now this sinner died. But what they're not realizing is that it's not the sinner that died, it is the Savior that will be resurrected. And they will realize that. And then lastly, 
concerning judgment or of its judgment. Here's what it does. It, when Jesus came and he revealed the words that God had commissioned him to say that, that the father has when he begins to speak and he begins to talk about them, about who he is and why he came, all of a sudden they stand in judgment, fully exposed and already condemned. Already. He says, he lets the world know, look, I didn't come to condemn you. You're already condemned. That's why he said, I came to rescue you. And the spirit of God lets, lets the world know. That is the, when you see world, especially in the gospel of John, that is the unbelieving opposed to God group. Um, and, and all their systems that they create aid in that rebellion. And so he says, they stand judged. People say, stop judging me. I don't need to judge you. The spirit of God lets you and I know that you stand judged because of your rejecting Christ. And here's what I love. That's exactly what this world needs. Because how will it come to Christ if it doesn't know that it's wrong? How will they come to Christ if they don't realize that Jesus is to be embraced, not rejected? How will they come to know the will of God if they think the righteousness that they live in of themselves is good enough? He says, I need to show them that it's not. And that's what he does. But here, who will be the vehicle of, the, of, of him doing that? The first disciples and all those who came to Christ after them. That's you and I who trust Christ today. So what does the Spirit want to do? Using us to let the world know that it stands exposed because you reject Christ. Using us to let the world know that our own human righteousness falls short. He's using us to let the world know, not for us to judge the world. We, we haven't been called to do that, to let the world know that they are judged already. So let me ask you, do you see why the followers of Christ are hated? They don't want that around. I don't want to be exposed. I don't want to be laid open that my righteousness is just self-centered righteousness. I don't want that. So not only, though, will he convict the world, he will guide the saint. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He says, but in essence, I'm going to tell you what you need to know now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He sounds, the spirit of God, he sounds just like Jesus said when he came. Jesus said, I don't speak on my own authority, I speak what the Father has given me. I don't even speak my own words. I speak what the Father has given me. But then he says things like, me and the Father, I and the Father are one. And so now, the same language Jesus is using of the Spirit of God. He says he's not speaking on his own authority. He is speaking what he has heard me say. He 
is not his own authority. Once again, is my authority. I'm sending him. Hold on a second. I thought God sent you. Yes, but now you're sending him? Yes. So are you trying to say that there's this triuneness to who you guys are? Yes. Three distinct persons of the same essence, all God and one. But yet we treat the spirit of God like he's the errand boy. I need the spirit right now to help me to do. Is that what you do with God, the Father? Is that what you do with Jesus? No difference. All the spirit of God is for many of us is to make us happy. And I was like, you missed the instruction on that one. It is to make us holy. I love the designation. Holy Spirit is not his name. That's who he is. The spirit of God, that is holy. So it will guide him in all truth. Truth about what? Concerning Jesus. It will, so he will, he, will, he will speak what Jesus says, what he hears, and he will prepare them to declare what needs to be spoken. But it is all centered around Jesus. So here's what you can say. The Holy Spirit comes to help us to clarify who Jesus is and to speak his words to a world that is rebellious against it. And so when you and I are wanting to witness and we are fearful, he says, I am the one who is empowering you. As a matter of fact, the very name, the parakletos, means to come alongside. It means to be called to walk beside and aid and help. And so what the Spirit of God does is he walks with us because remember, they've been commissioned that, 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 that he is to walk with us so that we accomplish what Jesus wants accomplished in this world. And as a matter of fact, since Jesus is leaving, he says, who I'm sending will help you do in even greater measure what you were doing when you were with me physically. And so, ultimately, he will make us witnesses of Christ. Acts 1.8 says what? And you will receive power, and that is authority too, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And what? And what's going to happen as a result? Come on, church. Those who know what say it. And what will happen? All I hear is mumbling. <laughs> That's okay. What does it say? And you will what? You will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses when? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. But when will that happen? When the Spirit of God comes upon you and they were told to go and wait what he was saying in John he reiterated he spoke again at the beginning of Acts and we saw it happen later and what happened what did they do 
Peter stood up and proclaimed the gospel boldly. He didn't get up and make a show of himself. As a matter of fact, he put himself at odds with quite a few people. But that day, here's what I love. That day when Peter spoke under the power of the Holy Spirit, here's what I love. He didn't have any fancy gimmicks. 3,000 people were added that day. I love the language were added. It didn't say Peter brought, you know, they were added by who? Not Peter. By the Lord. You know what it tells me in you? When God is guiding us into all truth, that truth is to be about Jesus, clarifying him one to ourselves and clarifying him to the world so that the world would know of their need for him and the demonstration of that power in any response we get back, the credit belongs to God. I saw 30 people come to Christ. You mean you saw the spirit at work bringing 30 people? I preached and, 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 and 10 people came to the Lord. Spirit of God is at work, man. No one came. Spirit of God is at work, man. Because you don't know what God is doing on the hearts of people. If a person was to see me, they were like, hey, I, I preacher, you ineffective. It took this kid from the time he was five till he was almost 13 to understand that message. What are you, slow? No, it was God's spirit at work at the appointed time and at the right time. Through all my disobedience, through all my, he stayed until that time when it weighed heavy. He would guide us into all truth ultimately so that we would be our witnesses. And lastly, to glorify Christ. Lastly, to glorify Christ. Verse 14 says, he will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And in essence, he will take what belongs to the Father, which was given to me, and he will declare it to you. And so you are getting the fullness of God with Christ as the centerpiece. Because we hear in, in, um, we hear in the um, epistles... That Jesus is the, it, what, the fullness of God in bodily form. He is the fullness of the Godhead or the completeness. You see it in Christ. And he says what the Spirit of God will do is he will always glorify me. I'm telling you, I've been in places where they're saying the Spirit of God is moving, and I look and I don't see Jesus. I see a demonstration of man being seen. I see this human-focused entertainment, and I go, and that's called the Spirit of God, and people are running from that as they should. When God is at work, Jesus is focused on. And where anything else becomes the focus, you know that it ain't the Spirit of God. He will highlight what Jesus has said because Jesus has taken what the Father has said and so you get the fullness of what God wants revealed, instructed, and stated. So what does that mean for me? Is the Spirit of God 
at work in your life and through your life. What does that mean for me? One, is sin being exposed by the way you live and by what you proclaim? Or are you joining in? Is sin being exposed by what you... Now, here's what I'm not saying. You walking up calling everybody a sinner. You a sinner and you a sinner and you a sinner. No, it's just that by the way you live according to the word of God, as you are empowered, Acts 1a, as you are empowered by the spirit of God, you live to be a witness that Jesus is real. Are people getting a witness that Jesus is real by being around you? Spirit of God at work. Am I proclaiming Christ and who he is and his character, or is it something else? First question. Next one. Are you walking in all the truth that Jesus has declared. Now, here's what I'm, now, I know that takes a lifetime. But, 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 but is the truth from the word of God about Jesus and his work in your life, is that being one demonstrated and then declared in you in increasing measure? And notice I didn't say how increasing because I can't look at you and say, you should be further along. How do I know? Someone looking at me back then should have said, you should have been saved like, like when you were six. Why did it take to you at 13? I don't know. I was on a slow train. I don't know. I have no idea. But it doesn't matter. God at work. Is Jesus Christ being glorified through your lifestyle and through your words? See, when the Spirit of God is at work, he will convict one. He will expose the world he will guide the believer into and toward Jesus and highlight that and see in their life. And then he will glorify himself in you and I. And if those things are not happening, I really, we have to ask ourselves, is the spirit of God in work? Now, we'll leave here and say, man, we had a great time in church. The spirit of God moved. Okay. I'm going to ask that. How did the Spirit of God move? What sin was exposed? What truth were you guided into about Jesus? What truth were you guided into about Jesus? What about Christ was glorified? Let me help you out. Just on a basic level, if we can't answer those questions, who was moving? Who was moving? Because that is the tremendous critical work. Jesus was saying, if I don't go, he can't come. So what he was saying, he is replacing my presence. And in essence, it's still my presence because we are one. And so if you treat the spirit of God as some errand boy of yours, you are missing the point. The very reason you can stay encouraged and continue to walk in him is because you being empowered by God through his spirit. And so I say today, let's let the spirit work. Every time, I want the spirit to work, whether we are here 
or not. And let me help you. You don't have to be gathered in a community of people for the Spirit to work. God, we invite you to come work. He should be working in your life before you get here. And he should be working in your life when you leave here. So that when you come together, we all can talk about, Lord, we are so grateful that you are working in our lives and that you continue to do it even as we gather. And so all I say is, let the Spirit work. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.